Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Your book's journey isn't over after it's been launched. Nope, it's got a whole lifetime ahead of itself. And so while I'm leading you through writing and launching a best-selling book, I'm also showing you how to make that book work for you for the rest of your career and your life. Welcome to Launch Your Book with Anna David. Hi there, you're listening to Launch Your Book with Anna David. I am your host, Anna David. Every week I talk to entrepreneurs, best-selling authors about how they launch their books, how it took them to the next level. I sometimes break down, not emotionally, although I'm sure that's happened too, but I will break the new word down the way some of the greats launch their books and various other topics. Today is one of those interview days, and it's a great interview. You know how someone's funny, but they don't seem to know they're funny? This is one of those. This guy, is he's my new friend. We met online and have never met in person, which means we're best friends. Isn't that how it works in the pandemic? Um, and But I'd heard of him Many years ago, I read one of his books, and he is considered the world's expert on book descriptions. And so I was connected to him by previous podcast guest, Alex Strathy, and I hired him to rewrite the book description for Party Girl. And if you actually go, I'll do a link in the show notes. You can go and look at the description that this fellow wrote for me. And it's really good, and that's why I'm hiring him to rewrite uh, and edit all the book descriptions that I do for me and my clients. Anyway, I won't keep you in suspense. His name is Brian Meeks. He writes under the pen name Arthur Byrne. He's currently working on his 20th novel, and he has six nonfiction titles, including Mastering Amazon Descriptions and Author's Guide. That's the one I read. And so, and he's got this thriving author copywriting business. As we know, I am a, I am a client. But right now, he's obsessed with NFTs, and it is a, something that I understand very little of, despite kind of talking about NFTs. So he explains what they are, how that possibly fits into the writing world, and how he's getting involved, and he's. He, he's he's really great. He he's a, 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 a diverger. That's not a word, but I just made it up. He he doesn't stay on topic terrifically well, but but I do. So I managed to get him back on topic. To clarify, I don't stay on topic particularly well when I'm being interviewed, but when I'm interviewing someone, I'm better at it. Anyway, if you'd like the show notes, just go to legacylaunchpadpub.com slash blog slash Meeks, and that's M-E-E-K-S. And with that, I give you Brian Meeks. Brian, this is so exciting. Hey, Are you Anna, excited? I am excited. It's fantastic to be here. It's, it's always a thrill for me when I get to be on a podcast that I 
was a list or two. So it, it feels like just hanging out with the cool kids. Well, and here's what I'm going to say about Brian Meeks to those of you who don't know him on a personal level, the way I do, despite the fact that we haven't met, he supports. I met Brian and by met, I mean met in the pandemic way, which is to say we have a Zoom. And literally the next day I look and he has reviewed my books, literally, I think two, no one, in the kindest, most thoughtful way, listen to the podcast. It is just, it is it is the rare artist that supports other artists. Isn't that sad? Well, it is sad that it's rare, but from the point of view of authors, at least, we connect with so many hundreds or thousands of other authors on Am- not on Amazon. On Facebook, I have a couple author groups, one about Amazon ads, one about copywriting, and I have 12,000 authors in those groups. I know a lot of them, but I haven't read their books. And even with my copywriting clients, because Anna hired me to do the copy for Party Girl, I typically don't read the book because who has time? Well, yeah, who has time? And and I write a couple of these a day. Well, the whole reason I picked up your book was the first paragraph, because I will look inside on the book to get a feel for the voice of the author. So I, I read a lot of page ones, but your first paragraph is such a great hook. And I'd finished the description. I'd sent it off to you and it was still up on my screen. And so I just kind of looked over and I started reading and you had just done the relaunch. So it was 99 cents. And you know what? I had 99 cents. <laughs> so I bought it. I started reading and got to chapter 12 when it was time for me to go to the gym. Now, I checked. Sure enough, there's an Audible version. Well, I had a bunch of credits, so I bought the Audible version and learned an incredible thing about Amazon's connection with Audible because they own it. When it downloaded, it knew where I had last read on the book and your voice started from there. You just learned that? I didn't know that. I just learned that. I I have my own audio books. I've published 19 novels and six nonfiction and didn't even know that was a thing. It's crazy. I will say as someone who's used it a lot, it does screw up and it's, and you're like, you know, cause you come to rely on it being accurate and then it screws uh, up and it doesn't. Well, I've only used it once. And so it's one for one right now. hundred percent success rate, hundred percent success rate. So it, for those of you who are fans of Anna's show that haven't listened to or read party girl, shame on least- you. Shame on you. At least read the first paragraph. And if that doesn't hook you, well, then you've got bigger issues. I I know. And I love that this has turned into yet one more uh, promotion for Party Girl because God knows um, I like it. And and Brian, I would love to talk to you, too. I want to we want to get into so many things. But about the frustrations when your friends, your good friends don't review your book. And yet, oh, oh God, because that is something I'm going through right now. I have a lot of good friends. And they and they don't. Well, I know it's what's even worse is that I've sold a lot of books. I make my living as a fiction author and I've sold just over a quarter million dollars worth of fiction and nonfiction. So there's been a lot of readers. 
one of my books just went over 600 reviews. I'm the one who told you that. Do you remember? Oh, that? yes, you, you, you are. I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't actually notice it had gone yeah. over. It was like 592 last time I had looked. And of the people that I have been friends with for more than two decades, I can think of two that have read one of my books. And I've written 19 novels. And oh. I've got two real world friends that have read one of my books. And I, I dated this, this woman for seven months who was a woman I knew from when I was 19, had a crush on for 34 years, finally landed her as a girlfriend. We had a wonderful winter. Well, it didn't work out. Our friendship remained better than it was before. And I asked her last week, we were just talking on the phone and I had been having this conversation with someone else. And I said, Sherry, because we've been friends for 34 years. I said, have you ever read one of my books? And she said, no. So my, my girlfriend of seven months has yet to read one of my books. It's frustrating. Has your boyfriend read your book? No, because. What is wrong with these people? Well, no, there's nothing wrong with him. We, okay. It's practically, that's practically true, by the way. It's weird. Well, I, I, I would, you know, I, he sounds nearly perfect, but until he checks, okay, has but, read girlfriend's book. Okay. But let me tell you about this part. He's very, he knows that party girl is based on, on some real experiences and it is literally too hard for him. to. He, read he, he, he doesn't want to maybe no. know that stuff about, I have a good friend who's a memoirist. And we've been author friends since, really, since I published my first book. And back in the days when if you made $2 in a day, it was thrilling. And you you would get together and chat and tell each other. And Marlena's has this five-book memoir series. Most people think that memoirs like yours are from people that are famous or have connections to stars, where she's not. All she has is a story where, as a child... She had this abusive relationship, terrible things. And it starts at age 12 in Las Vegas. And I've read her writing as far as blog posts and stuff. I know she's a talented writer, but I don't want to read Overlay, which is the first book in her series, because it goes into the horribleness of her early life. So, so yes, I, I think that makes sense for the boyfriend, but... If you ever write a, you know, a novel, yeah. okay. a, a cozy mystery, and he doesn't read it, okay. yeah, I, I think he needs needs a, a serious book. Although, maybe, maybe nobody reads their loved ones' books. I don't know. Okay, so he's a filmmaker. I have, have you seen, seen his films? One of them. That's it. <laughs> and, and, and presumably, there's more than one film. More than one. Well. Okay. So I, yeah, I don't really know what to say, but I, I really used to be so, so frustrated uh, when people didn't read my stuff with him. It's somehow different because I sort of transcend that. But with friends, it's not different because <laughs> because and, and I will say I have had friends who kind of just will randomly reference something and they did read one of my books. And that's like they didn't feel the need to, you know show me what a good friend they were. But I sent out those emails to friends saying, please do this. And when I mm-hmm. looked at, there were two people out of the hundreds and they were both people I had met 
twice who are incredibly successful, who Mm -hmm. you would not think had the time. And that, and, and I just thought, you know, I just need to really focus on how nice it is that those two people did it and not the dozens of good friends who didn't because when you're not a writer you just don't understand how important that review is it is but also i think that friends don't look at you Mm -hmm. you as an author my Mm -hmm. friends don't care that i've sold lots and lots of books they don't they don't care that this is what i do for a living and Mm -hmm. i get to not have a cubicle i don't get to go to a job i have an amazing life and they're just, huh, it's Meeks. You know, we've, we've exactly. seen him drunk in college. We, <laughs> we, we, we know the stories that aren't in the books and they're just not interested. So, yeah, I, I, I my friend Natalie, she, she used to be on TV. And I remember we were talking about this and she goes, fans are amazing when it comes to your work. Friends aren't. Yeah. Maybe other people have friends that are different, but. But I, and I think anyone who's listening, your first book, it is different. Your friends are very excited for yes. you. But once you're getting to two, three, four, five, six, it's sad. They just don't care. They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah that's what that's what they do. Well, but, yeah. Oh, well, I was just going to say about a month ago, I was chatting with one of my author friends who, again, back in the day when we were all just beginning, we would... Uh, trade tips, things like that. And I've read part of one of his most recent books. I just started it recently. I didn't even know he's read all 19 of my novels. And so I'm being a bad friend to him. I, right. I, I, did, I had no idea. And we were just talking. I, and he said, oh, I loved that one. I was like, you've read it? So I've read all your novels. Isn't I've written 19. Are you kidding and I hadn't read anyone. So I, I bought one and now I'm reading it. And it's really good. And I knew he was a good writer because I've read chapters as they're being, you know, like he'd say, hey, what do you think about this bit? And put that in our chat. But it's it's hard, though, when everyone you know is a writer. I have 4,953 friends on Facebook. 95% of them are authors. 12,000 authors in my group. So everyone I talked to has written a book. And which is why it meant so much to me that you read two and, and, and you posted oh, well, I, about I, it. It was just so sweet. Well, you, you tell a good story. The, the realities are I, I got hooked on Party Girl, got to the end of it, and I, I really wish there was more to the story. Well, it turns out mess is more to the story. So I fired that up a couple days later and you immediately in the first half of the book go into sort of the years after Party Girl, which I think is 20 or 21 years ago. Is that? Yeah, 21. 21. And so I got the rest of the story and then you go into all of the advice and guidance for taking your mess and turning it into a memoir and in fact, I intend to download the, you have a file that you reference that you can download. I think I'm going to do it. I, I think I'm going to write a memoir about my experience for the NFTs and use your 10 chapter system because I have thought about doing a memoir, but this was the first time I had any sort of exposure to a good strategy. That's and amazing. so it, it, it seems it seems reasonable. I'll let you know 
how that goes. But I've sort of already started it with my NFT daily writing. And well, this is let, this is a great segue. Explain what you're doing with this NFT thing and why you're going to be a, a billionaire. Go on. <laughs> well, for those listeners who have never heard the term NFT, it stands for non-fungible token. This is part of the whole blockchain crypto world, which many people aren't familiar with right now. You and I have had a little bit of conversation about it. And what that means is everybody knows what a JPEG is. If you have a JPEG, you download a a photo you took on your iPhone of your adorable cat. Well, you can send that photo to me and I can make a copy of it and I can post it the cuteness online. And I can then make, send those copies on to other people that appreciate a cute cat. Well, it's not unique. It just gets copied and copied and copied. Well, with an NFT, there's a digital record. It's encrypted. It's written into the blockchain, which for people who don't know what the blockchain is, imagine the biggest digital accounting ledger in the world. So the blockchain, if I sell you an NFT of my art, you cannot make a copy of it. You can sell it to someone else, but then you don't have it anymore. So it's not the same as a JPEG. So if I turn the picture of your cat into an NFT and give it to you, then you have this picture of your cat. And Gary V made a great response to a question about digital art. The person was a a sayer of nay, if you will. (laughs) Well, what is the point of digital art? Can you hang it on your wall? And he said, can you see the blue check mark over my head? No, but everybody knows it's there. I would argue that my 9 million followers see that check mark more than something you're hanging in your house. How many people see the art that's hanging on your wall? But if I buy an NFT and I tweet it, 9 million potential people could see it. Right. And so what's interesting about the art world, and I have a little experience in that I was a docent at the Corcoran Gallery in Washington, D.C. when I lived out in that area. So I'm a big fan of art. I love the Hudson River School, Hiram Powers, the Greek slave as a statue that has this amazing story. We had to learn all of this to be able to help the tourists who would have questions. So I, it made me passionate about the art world. And when I started looking into NFTs, And realize that there are companies right now making digital frames that you can hang on your wall. Those listening to the podcast, we're doing this via Zoom so I can see that you have framed things on the wall behind you. Mm -hmm. Well, you could buy a digital frame and send your NFT to that frame and it would sit there. If you had three, presumably you could have them change. But I believe that in the not too distant future, we're going to start seeing NFTs in movies where it's like, what is that? Oh, that's Board Ape Yacht Club, number 3256. Mm -hmm. The person says, what does that mean? 
And for the listeners who don't know what Board Ape Yacht Club is, this is a group who created 10,000 NFTs and they're all one out of one, meaning there's only one board ape with the sunglasses wearing the basketball jersey. And then the next one maybe has headphones and looks grouchy. They created the art image for the pieces and then a computer put them together and made 10,000 of them. Mm-hmm. And so there's these original pieces of art and they're hugely popular. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact numbers, but I think their last release of 10,000 of these sold in total for $94 million well, in, one, in one hour. Yeah. And by the way, my boyfriend did sell a movie as an NFT. He's a producer on a movie, a John Malkovich movie that sold as an NFT. That's um, fantastic. What's the title of it? I mean, I, I'm interested. I have not seen an NFT movie. I oh, have, have, I, have I just put you on the spot? Well, also, I, he has no idea what an NFT is. He's just like, cool, I just got another check. It's sold again. So oh, wow. we're, we're both trying to figure it out. So, well, so if, but let's talk about how this plays into your writing. Yes. So the, the zombie apocalypse really brought me down. I'm an optimist. I'm cheery. I don't really get sad. But I think I went through a year and a half of depression. I didn't know, to, know it. It manifested itself in playing blitz chess and watching Netflix all day and not writing. Yeah. I, I have two novels that I've finished that I haven't even published. And that's part of it. They, they've been ready to go for two years. I could spend an hour. I need to get the cover art for my cover artist, but I'm probably two days away from being able to publish them, mm-hmm. but I just didn't want to every mm-hmm. day was, Oh, we can't go outside. Do I need to go hoard toilet paper? It was, it was unfortunate. Well, going back 17 years, have you, Anna, have you ever heard of the space second life, the virtual world second Mm -hmm. life? Mm -hmm. I made my living in second life for a while. I built a space for Paul Allen back then and did, did these things. Well, in these spaces that I built, I would do my own digital art and frame them and hang them on the walls. And so people with their little avatars would walk through a room and there'd be art on the walls. Mm -hmm. And it was Meek's original art. I was creating it. Well, Mm -hmm. that gave me the idea that because NFTs are doing so well that I should get back into it. And on September 11th, which is a horrible day to start anything, but I did, I started this new thing on September 11th, where I decided every day I'm going to write and post it on Facebook Mm -hmm. and include a piece of digital art. Mm -hmm. So it's going to get me making digital art every day. And it's going to get me producing 500 to 2000 words of just me talking about my day. Well, I got to about day 18 and the NFT I created gave me this idea for a story. So I wrote the first chapter of a new novel and put it up people loved it. The next four days, I wrote four more chapters and each one had a new NFT with it. And then I took a couple of days off. And tonight I will put up, I think, I think it's chapter six, but it's this whole story taking place in Las Vegas. I am having my characters visit the places that I really miss. Mm-hmm. And the story is about a guy who had this strange thing happen to him 
and he's getting, he was shown this NFT, this piece of art and told it was the key to everything. And now he's, he's back awake in the bar and he doesn't know what's going on. And so it, every day it's him trying to figure out this thing that could change the world and his part in it through NFTs. And so as I weave the story, I'll be teaching the readers what this new medium of art is and the potential and how it can be used. So I'm having a lot of fun with the writing again. I'm enjoying writing for the first time in two years. Mm -hmm. It's it's awesome. So it has absolutely changed, changed my life. And this morning I sold two NFTs. So, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I have about, I have about six or eight people that are waiting to buy some of the NFTs that I've been putting up for, so the individual days, but right now there's a thing for anyone listening. That's an artist that's thinking about getting into NFTs. There's a thing called gas fees and gas fees are ridiculous right now. I don't think they're a bad thing because the gas fee is the Ethereum coin that goes to the people running the computers that allow your digital art to be created, written to the blockchain, all the encryption stuff that happens. So yes, they should make a little, but they vary so widely. I minted my first NFT 31 of of day one. It cost me $25. I'm fine with that. I'll spend $25. The next day, that one cost me 32. I'm fine. Then Ethereum went nuts. And on the third day, was $128 gas fees. Wow. And so I put off doing that one until they came down, but I still ended up spending 62. And the other side is that if somebody buys a piece of art, they have to pay the gas fees. They have to pay their own gas fees to get it from where I am selling it into their wallet. And I have about six or seven people on a list who are ready to spend between 50 and $120 on my art. And they're waiting for the gas fees to go down. Well, I'm, I'm waiting because I don't think they should buy a piece of art for $50 and spend $230 on gas fees. And so the so, answer. Yes, is, go on. Well, I was just going to say the answer is there are many, many platforms to sell NFTs. The ones that I'm on, use Ethereum, which is a very popular coin. Bitcoin's the biggest, Ethereum's second. But there are other coins that are less well-known. And because of that, the gas fees could be a few dollars. So I'm looking into Wax as one. I just joined a social media platform called BitClout. Are you on BitClout? Mm-mm. BitClout is really neat. I, I could take this in a whole different direction. We can talk about BitClout offline, but I've joined BitClout and it is a, it's like Twitter, but it's built on the blockchain, wow. which means that everything is, there's a record of it. So you can't do a fake tweet from Anna saying, you know, she, she loves the New York Yankees or something. I, and maybe you do love the Yankees. I don't know. But the point is. Barely know the sport they play. Yeah, th- there you go. But the point is, it's, I've been on there. This is my fourth day to give people an idea of its scale. 
two days ago, somebody posted how many, and I'm using the term tweets, were done on BitClout in the previous 24 hours. And before I tell you that number, in 2020, Twitter averaged 6,000 tweets per second. Mm-hmm. We all know how big Twitter is. BitClout is bit clout is tiny. And in a 24-hour period, they had 2,000 posts. Mm-hmm. So the equivalent of one-third of a second of what is going on on Twitter. But each person who joins the fact that you are part of this and it's part of the blockchain, it comes with your own currency. So right now, Meek's currency is trading at the, the I am at signed Meek's on BitCloud. So if anybody listening wants to find me, I will be thrilled. But my the Meek's coin, I love saying that, the Meek's coin is trading at $50.26 a coin. And so you have a coin too. You told me. I do, but, but I didn't know that mine were launching in December, but it's going to be the legacy coin. Um, But so now anybody can have a currency. I just literally 45 minutes before we started talking for this podcast, my 79 year old mother, I got her on BitClout and she's, she's crypto granny which is funny because the crypto stuff is way over her head, but she really likes talking to her son on the phone and he really likes talking about crypto. So she's learning, but I got her onto BitClout and am teaching her about that because she uses Facebook. She understands yeah. that. And so now my, my mother is on BitClout. But what's interesting about it is the people that populate it are overwhelmingly technologically savvy. Yes. So everyone I'm meeting understands crypto. They understand the blockchain. They're incredibly smart. It's a really remarkable time to be there because there's only a handful of people there. And so you can connect with people that have so many followers on Twitter, they would never see your DM or your tweet. But on BitClout, I'm going to join. You know, I was so early on Twitter that I was in the original Wikipedia entry about it. It said, wow. you know, prominent people who, and I remember Neil Gaiman was another one. He's, he's gotten a little bigger on Twitter than I have, but I was super, super early. Just I had yeah, a friend I, told me. I'm My Twitter account right now is at extremely average. And I think it's my fifth one, but my first one, which I don't remember. And I just ran a, across it the other day. But it was from the first week Twitter came out of beta. And wow, because back then I was in Second Life and Second Life was all early adopters. At the time, I was like the 187,000th person on Second Life and it blew up to 30 million or something at, at one point. Well, that's what we talked about in Second Life where the, oh, there's this new thing, Facebook. Yeah. I was, I was on Facebook the first week it came out. Wow. I, I was in the beta for Gmail. And Prior to Second Life, I was not an early adopter, but all my friends were. And so as soon as something new came out, we would get on. I made a friend from Kenya who to this day is still a friend on Facebook. I am friends with maybe 17 of his friends in Kenya, including a woman who is a the senior secretary for one of the 
sort of like governors. They have these different areas of Kenya. And she said, well, you know, if you ever come to, if you ever come to visit us in Kenya. And I said, well, I, I, I will. I want to go to Kenya one day. She said, well, great. When you do, if I'm still in my job, I can get you dinner with my boss and maybe the president. How cool would it be to go have dinner with the president of Kenya? It would be so cool. And it's one thing I find just so adorable about you is you can, boy, you can get off track. Because um, yeah, you you are. You I'm glad this, you think it's adorable. You have this little my digressions. <laughs> is that like you just get so excited about each thing you're talking about? So I'm going to veer you back um, to how can this help writers if they are interested in getting into the NFT world? They can get on BitCloud. What else? Well, what's coming down the road? I'm working with a startup. And I'm not going to give their name right now. Maybe. When this launches, we can put something, a link in the, the notes. But I am working with a startup now who is doing some interesting things in the NFT space. They reached out to me because I have a large author following. And our vision is to bring T-books to the world. So right now there are e-books. I own Party Girl. It's on my Kindle. I paid 99 cents for it. What's the resale value of Party Girl on a secondary market? Zero. There isn't a secondary Nothing. market. Yeah. La- last year, there were $18.2 billion worth of ebooks sold that right now are sitting on people's Kindles and various devices. Their resale value is zero. Yeah. Now imagine if it was a T book, as in NFT or transferable. Well, th- The thing about NFTs that are interesting is that you can set up your NFTs so that you get residual income in the future. If If I sell you a piece of art for $50 and you sell it for 500 a year from now, I will get 10% of that. Yeah. So I will make the first 50, I'll make the second 50. And if that person sells it for 5,000, 500. Oh, see, you're not bad at math. I'm not terrible. I am terrible. That was really easy math. But but so can people get into this T-Books thing? Well, if reach out to me. We'll put my stuff on in the show notes as yeah. far as how to find me. And then when we launch this, because we're in the process, I say we, I'm not a programmer. The, the programmer for this company is this genius who was a senior programmer for Amazon. He knows a thing or two about this stuff. And once we get it up and ready there will be an app and I plan to launch my relaunch my book mastering Amazon descriptions to be the first T book. And so then I will be, I will be telling everyone you, you will, you will get text messages from me, but right now, because it's not ready for even, uh, we're not even to the beta test yet. So how can you relaunch a book that people is that's already on the market? Well, what I'm going to do is Update I'm going it. to co- Yes, I'm going to update it. I'm going to call it uh, Mastering Amazon Descriptions 2021 or well, maybe 2022, depending on when I launch it. And because one of the nice things about being your own publisher is the flexibility to make the decision that some of the comments I got in my reviews, which are overwhelmingly nice, one common thread was, I wish there were more descriptions that were nonfiction. And I didn't do many nonfiction. I did do one, though, 
And this is a little bit of a digression, but would you like to hear the story of the copywriting miracle? Okay, I know that that, that, see, you just did that in your way of copywriting, which is to say someone can't say no, but, but I try to keep this episode That's at a okay. certain length. That's so okay. I'm People can reach to out to me and listen yep. to that story. It, it, the copywriting miracle is brilliant. Okay. <laughs> That's a teaser for, uh, <laughs> for reaching out. Reaching so, out. so when will, t- when will people be able to create their own tea books? Uh, right now, our hope is by the end of the year. Wow. That being said in the world of startups, who knows? Again, I'm not the programmer. So I would hope that tea books would be out by the end of the year and it will again, benefit the author because should the books get sold again, they can get a tiny little bit of revenue. But also think about the consumer, the people that buy books, avid readers. BookBub did a study and their readership consumes on average something in the area of four to five novels every single week. That's crazy. Those people are buying 250 novels a year. They have a massive quantity of eBooks that are not resellable. I am one that I have lots of books behind me and I <laughs> read them, but yeah. I probably, there's a lot of books I wouldn't reread. And so having a secondary market where you could go sell it and even set your own price. So, oh, and you can also do limited editions and that's the beauty of NFTs. So if you, if the next book you write before you launch it on all the platforms or on Amazon exclusively, if you want to do a first edition of Anna memoirs, the, the boyfriend years or something, I, I don't know what your next memoir will be, but I hope there will be one. And you want to have a first edition with a hundred of them that will only ever be a hundred. Yeah. You can do that with an NFT. What's interesting because Seth Godin did, did that with a release where he only released, I think, you know, 500 and char- you know, charged a certain amount. Now, because I am thinking, this is what I was thinking about. I think this was inspired by a conversation with you. Um, I could do a short ebook called Pre Party Girl. Oh, uh, yes. And try to kind of get in on the YA thing and then get it on TikTok happening. And then also do a um, an after party girl, but Ooh. I don't know. I mean, I, it's sort of like I got so much to do. I think that would be fun, but I've sort of moved on from there. So I. Well, I, I, my question is: Do you enjoy the writing? I mean, you, you, with, with absolutely. what you're doing now on your publishing company and all the things, you do have a ton on your plate. A ton. And I, and I, it is incredibly satisfying to have a lucrative business, frankly, but I don't have time to write right now. Every day I go, I'm going to plow through all these things and then I'm going to be able to write. I do kind of know what I want my next book to be. And it's really one that will serve my business. But, but what if I did short, um, you know, sort of short, would, would you know? So, so maybe I could do like little, almost Kindle singles. Well, uh, I, I- when you mention shorts, understand that Henry Wood Detective Agency, which was my very first novel, I wrote it on my blog. Every Not every day, though. Whenever I didn't have a blog post that pertained to woodworking, because it was a woodworking blog, I would write a chapter for Henry Wood Detective Agency. And so it was just this thing that if I needed filler, because 
I hadn't done something that made sense for the blog, I would add another chapter to this, to this detective thing. And after nine months, I got to the end. We caught the bad guy and, and it was done. And I hadn't intended on writing a novel. That's how I got, that's how I became a novelist okay. was accidentally writing this book. And as soon as I was done, my fan base on this blog said, I can't wait for book two. And so I started it immediately. And within a month or two, all my posts were just Henry Woods. And I wrote four novels before I published the first one. So I think if you were to pick any of those projects, whether it's the the after party girl or the pre-party girl, and you picked one of your venues, because you're everywhere on social media, you could do it on Facebook, you could do it. Twitter doesn't have enough space, but if you wrote 500 500 to a thousand words and I always, well, I don't always, I I, I say to myself, I'm always going to run it through Grammarly, which is not as good as an editor. You always, I'm I'm not talking to you now because you know this, but to those listening who are maybe thinking about being an author, you have to have a professional edit. But if you're just putting it out for your fans on Facebook, you can put it through this tool called Grammarly and it will catch your comma splices. If you have two independent clauses separated by a conjunction and now you you're don't have a comma, I am because you're... you know what? In 2010, I hated writing. I didn't know any of the comma rules. I was horrible at grammar and I learned, I know all 16 comma rules and I am showing off because I'm so proud of that. You should be. I, I couldn't tell you. I have to ask my team about commas. And not only do I not know, but I, I have a learning block where I can't seem to learn it. Well, I, I just got obsessed with them one afternoon and spent like four hours learning the rules. That not surprise me. That's um, who I am. So yes. Okay. But to, to, and I, and I love this and I will be circling back. So, so, but here's a question. Could one write a book on, so you recommend writing a book on Facebook basically because you're gathering fans, you're gathering interest, and then you have ready people. You don't finish the book, right? Because that's how you get them to buy it. No, I do finish it because, because I have experience in selling my books by driving traffic through social media, through advertising that I don't care if the few hundred people that are reading it along the way buy it. What's interesting though, is a lot of them do buy it Yep, because it's $4 and 99 cents. They enjoyed the ride and they're happy to give it to me. Yeah. I think, and, and, and I'm saying this right now only because I'm guessing there's a way to do it, but what you could do on BitClout mm-hmm. is you could write a chapter because I just I just learned they have part of the functionality of BitClout is you can generate an NFT. So I wrote a post and then attached an image to it, made it an NFT, put it up for sale just to see if I could. I sold one for $2 and one for $1. So this was not me, my normal pricing, 50 to 75. This was me just figuring it out. But in the tool where you set this NFT up, you can add an attachment. So thinking right now, you could write into Microsoft Word a chapter, and I don't know how long your chapters would be, whether it's a thousand words, 1500, whatever it is, and then have some sort of image, like a JPEG. And in fact, I actually made you 
a thing. And I, I just remembered it just now. I made it like three weeks ago when we were talking about doing this podcast and it says Anna's NFTs and it's adorable and I will send it to you and you could use that and then put that up with each of your posts and then just write a post chapter, like just chapter one, boom, turn it into an NFT, set the bid at you know two cents or something yeah. ridiculous and people could and, and make the, the minting a hundred of them and so you'd only ever be able to sell a hundred of that chapter, but you could build this crazy fan base there. And then when the time comes to launch your book, well, those people are going to be the ones that will then go out to their social media. But what if you then launch it as a T-book? Well, yeah. And, and by the time you're done, that is probably an option. So Brian, here's, I know you don't have time, but what if you had a, a consulting business where you walked people through this? Because even though you just described it to me, I still w- was like, oh, well, I'll have to reach out to him. But that's a, that's a good idea. I could be your well, first it, client. Well, that is actually a great idea because yeah. I, the, the way I built my platform with regards to the author business, my nonfiction portion is I set up a group on Facebook and I told people, I said, I am writing this book about Amazon ads. And at that point in time in 2017, nobody had cracked them. I was getting 300% return on investment. People knew it. And so I said, you can join my group, but I'll let you in as I'm writing this book. You get to read the chapters with words and all before the editor even gets to see them. So you can get the feel for how the Amazon ads work. But when the day comes that I launch, you're going to buy the book. And this is just scouts honor sort of thing. Most of them did. Yeah. But understand it's going to be priced at $9.99. And they did. And I sold a couple thousand of them, you know, the first couple days. And so one could absolutely do that. And, uh, but I mean, this relates to you talking about the consulting because at that time from February 24th, 2017, up until July 15th of that year when the book launched, I was spending eight to 10 hours a day working with people for free, explaining my chapters, explaining how Amazon ads work. And they were amazed. I can't believe you spent two hours talking with me. But it was research for you. It was research for me and it built fierce loyalty. Because if you give someone two hours of your time, even though you're not charging them they will tell their friends. And the yeah. book has been out since 2017 and I haven't run an ad on it. My book on mastering Amazon ads still sells. Well, now it's down to a few copies a week, but for, for probably three years, it was selling three to five copies a day without ads, just organic, just word of mouth from people talking. And so I, I maybe will start a consulting. What, sh- what should I charge a person for, would this be learning how to get into the NFT art business? What would be the the umbrella? Because I think I'm going to do it. I think you should. I think you, I, um, I don't want to tell you this, but you surely know it. You undercharge for uh, description writing. I, I do. My, my best competitor charges twice what I do. I'm so sure. Th- that's true. Uh, and but- so, yeah, to be clear to anyone li- who's listening, I have the description for Party Girl that Harper Collins and I did years ago, I added something to it. And then I hired Brian to, to totally transform it. And um, I don't run ads, so I can't prove, 
I don't have statistics that show the success, but, but it made me go, I'm going to hire him for all my clients too. I like the idea of running one description that's very keyword heavy and, um, and then saying, you know, that, that's the way I would normally do it. And then saying in six months, we'll do a book boost where, where we'll change your description, we'll lower the price to 99 cents, we'll get it in all the newsletters. What do you think of that? Well, that, a couple things. The, I did some research and this is not a digression. This is actually important data. I did some research when I launched Mastering Amazon Descriptions and I wanted to learn two things. One, I wanted to learn about the keywords because you just mentioned those and what their real power is, sort of how they work. Because I had this other novel, a piece of science fiction ready to go, I asked the folks in my group, I said, I want to do a statistically valid study. In order to do it, I need, you've all promised to spend $9.99 on the book. Can I get some people to raise their hands who would buy an additional book, a fiction novel at 99 cents, but do it the way I ask you? Meaning I will text you a message and say, okay, buy the book now by Mastering Amazon Ads first but buy it this way. I want you to go into Amazon and do a search by this keyword and then keep going down until you find it, click on it and buy it. So okay. I was simulating organic traffic, but doing it non-organically where I was telling people. And, and I did this test. We get seven keywords in our metadata. I had them use six of them. I had statistically good samples. I would say, Anna, you use this word. Bob uses this one. After four days, I had all seven of my keywords. So including the one that was the, the control group, all of them were page one, row one, organically, if you did a search. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you went into a uh, what the browsers that are sneaky, the, what is it called? Incognito incognito browser and did a search by any of those keywords. It was my book on the first line or the second line for all seven keywords. Plus I also tested three keywords that were not part of my metadata Mm -hmm. because I wanted to see the importance of having the keywords in descriptions. Does it really matter? Well, I don't think it matters as much as the conversion rate because Mm -hmm. both of those descriptions had for that test, 100% conversion. It was, <laughs> it was a perfect conversion rate. It was artificial, but because of that, my book, Am- Mastering Amazon Ads, stayed on page one for over two years. Mm-hmm. Is it harder to tell with, not, with fiction? I, there's more fiction books, yeah. I, I, I believe. So it, it's maybe a little bit, but data science is sort of my thing. So I don't find it that challenging. I do think that you've got some good ideas there. The, the error that I see a lot of authors make with regards to 99 cents is that it's not as big a boost as people think. Mm-hmm. If, if gas prices drop 20 cents, people will line up and wait two hours to get their gas because gas is price elastic. Ebooks are not price elastic. They're price inelastic, which is me using econ terms from my degree. But the basic idea is people don't care. And so they're willing to spend five, six dollars at Starbucks every single day 
they'll spend $5 for a novel. And if you have a book at $4.99 or $6.99, $7.99, and you drop the price to $2.99, you'll see there won't be any change in volume of sales because people don't care. You'll get the same conversion rate. Now, that being said, and for those authors out there listening, if you have a book, say a piece of fiction at $4.99 and you drop it to $0.99, cents, you will sell slightly more copies. Mm-hmm. If you sell 100 at $4.99, you might sell 105 at $0.99. Interesting. But understand, you're making $3.50 at $4.99, so you're making $350. At $0.99, cents, you've just sold 105 of them, so you made... $35 plus an additional, you know, $1.75. So you're, you know, $317. Uh, that math isn't right, but y- you've made much less money, even though you sold five more copies. Does that make sense? It does. Wouldn't you say for the launch, it's different when you're getting a street team or an advanced reader team to go in there? It's really important to have it at 99 cents just to get the reviews. I, I used to think that. And I have an author friend who's a romance author that does a million dollars a year. And she has a eight. Well, this is three years old. I don't know how big her team is now, but it's eight. It was 800 people last time we talked about it. And what she does that is unique. And I think you're writing, you have a good sense of humor, which is part of the draw is she's also very funny. Mm -hmm. And so when she sends out to her beta team, her new romance novel, they get the novel. What they don't get is the one and a half page letter to readers at the back of the book. And she told me that typically, and she launches at full price, $4.99. She will sell to, of her 800 people, 500 of them will buy it on day one at $4.99 just for the letter. Wow. Because they're so loyal and the letter's hilarious. And so I don't think that people that are, big enough fans and supporters of yours to go through the effort care. And me personally, if you asked me, Brian, will you read my book? Yes, I would. I would love to. I'm excited. Would you rather buy it at 99 cents or 4.99? Oh, 4.99 all day long. Yeah. So, so, I mean, given a choice, I would rather pay 4.99 because that's the point. This is somebody that I, I want you to keep writing. True. 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 So, so I, I don't, I don't believe the 99 cent thing is a great deal. These are your most loyal customers and that's interesting. Not, none of them are going to, uh, some of them would prefer to pay you full freight because I mean, it's, it's, it's $5. Yeah. I mean, I bought, I bought party girl at 99 cents. And at the time I bought it, it was before I had written the, the description. I mean, I was working on it. And I was buying it because you were a client and yeah. I have 99 cents. Yeah. I read it because the first paragraph was amazing. And you also have 4.99. I also have 4.99. I, by the way, I'm <laughs> really do. bad about changing the prices and, you know, cause my team does it and it's still 99 cents. And you're just reminding me that we have to change it because okay. I'm just doing this for fun and for the experience. And then apparently to get angry at my friends for not reviewing it. Those are, <laughs> I'm not doing this, you know, because I'm a writer. I, you know, I, I, writing is not my career anymore. 
Okay, we gotta wrap up. This is the longest episode I've ever done. I'm sorry. That's because of all the digressions. I, I apologize know. to your listeners. No, I think they were probably really into it. I am going to hire you as my consultant to get into this NFT world. Okay. And I think, and then to get into T books and, and all of that stuff. I want to do it. So I have one question before we end, just yeah. for my own edification. When does this episode air? Because it's not today, it's it's somewhere in the future whenever you want. And so we don't, we can stop and we can first tell this because they'll, it's irrelevant for them because they're listening to it when they're listening to it. Perfect. Let's, let's, let's put the show to bed so people can finally get on with their lives. Yes. We'll in the show notes, put all the ways to find me. And by the time this airs, yes, I will have a new consulting business. Great. That that Anna created. (laughs) It's going to be called Anna's idea. Well, we don't know the name. We don't know the Meeks Meeks Consulting. I don't know if you have that already. Okay. uh, Y'all, thank you so much for listening. Brian, you're a delight. Say goodbye to my listeners. Listeners, Bye, bye. listeners. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me this week on Launch Your Book with Anna David. For more info about the show, go to launchyourbookpod.com where you can get show notes and so much more. If you got anything out of this episode, I can't tell you how much I would appreciate a review. And don't forget, my company, Launchpad Publishing, is here to help you at any stage in your writing and publishing journey. Just go to launchpadpub.com for more, and be sure to tune in next week for next week's episode.